0: Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm your host, Young Me Mayer.
1: And I'm your other host, Brian Park.
0: You know, this is the thing. We were living in COVID. It was unprecedented was the word for that <laughs> whole thing. And it was going on and we are just like, How this is so bizarre. The entire world is going through this like phenomenon. And we're just like, What is this? And we were like, How could it get any worse? How could it get any more intense? And here we are, helicopters flying around my apartment right now. You know, as you all know, I'm in New York City. Brian's in Texas. I don't know how it is out there, but the entire city has, we're out on the streets. It's on fire, which is good for me. You know me, chaotic legend. I'm like, yes, everyone (laughs) throw, (laughs) throw the system into the trash. Let's throw (laughs) the whole country away. Yay. And, you know, like last week I talked about how I, I, it reminds me of when I was a teenager and I finally broke free of my abusive childhood and I was manic and it it gives me this great feeling of freedom and, and there's a lot of fear because I'm like, this future is uncertain. We've all come, come to this place where we're like, this whole system is trash. All of us are, (laughs) all of us are implicit, you know? Right. All of us are kind of Ivanka Trump in the situation. We've all <laughs> been okay living in the system of like taking advantage of black and brown bodies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether consciously or subconsciously or just apathetically or actively, we are right. all involved in racism. And we're all like, yeah, let's throw this away and start all over. Holy. Sh- okay. I, I went off. But <laughs> that's what's happening this week in the world.
1: Oh, my God
0: how is it in texas brian
1: honestly it is it's like normal it's okay. nuts <laughs> it's nuts <laughs> it's nuts oh my god i when sometimes when i go to the grocery store oh my god i'm in the minority i'm the i'm the only one wearing a mask and gloves
0: wow really so they the rest of the world is just normal
1: it's normal in Texas. Wow. It's, it's bizarro, freako world.
0: What do people think about the whole, like, the protests and stuff like that?
1: You know, I don't. Sp- I, I'm not engaging with these other people and speaking about right. it, so I can't touch on it.
0: Is it in the news, like the local news?
1: It's obviously in the news, but seeing that it's Texas, there's a lot of white people here who. Would have to confront their own privileges and relinquish power, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine that a lot of people here would prefer to just turn the other way. Wow. Yeah, you know I know there are there are protests happening here in El Paso, but
0: oh, that's great.
1: Yeah, but I didn't go because I'm with my parents, and I wouldn't want to yeah. immunocompromise them. So, right. I've been trying to be an ally on the in the digital space.
0: Yeah yeah i've been doing that too i have not been i mean i think that you know this is probably partially because i'm asian or just you know because i'm not black but i feel like everything that i try to say or do feels wrong you know and i feel i'm sure a lot of people can relate to this we you know we were our intentions are maybe in the right place, but even sometimes I'll see other people, I'll see a lot of white people posting stuff and it'll make me feel really bad. And I'm like, mm. I don't like that this person is saying this there. It seems hypocritical or like virtue signaling and like, and you know, I've discussed with a lot of friends about this specifically. And I saw, I think one of the podcast listeners DM me about this. Because I posted something on my stories. Yeah. Um, that somebody that was black was like, Oh, it's so it's so um destabilizing to see somebody that's white that's been racist towards me posting Black Lives Matter. And it makes me feel like shit. And I felt I, I've I know a lot of people who I was like, wait, I know you've said and done racist things, and you're all all aboard this right now and i just obviously it's like okay maybe this person learned something the last right year that i've seen them but like it's a shitty destabilizing feeling and so i'm very conscious of like how i come off to other people online Mm. it's kind of scary right sorry but Mm. let me before i get too into i mean do you do you have a response to what i just said because i was going to ask you how you're feeling
1: i mean i was going to say that even though it's been what a week since we mm-hmm. last recorded yeah it feels like a fucking year and yeah. in general i just feel really burnt out but mm. then on top of that i feel guilty for feeling burnt out if that yeah. makes sense yeah and of i'm going to i'm going to use what you just said as an example of this where i'm in this state now where I'm always justifying to myself, okay, well, virtue signaling or not, it is still a net positive to share this information. Right. It is a net positive to show that you've donated in the hopes that maybe someone will match you or that it mm-hmm. might encourage someone else who hadn't already to donate. I'm just burnt out because when it comes to educating myself and you mm-hmm. know coming to terms to... Uh, realize, like, what my privileges are, and how do I just be a better human being going forward? Yeah. There's just so much information out there that I feel like I'm always doing the wrong thing. If that makes right. sense. Right. Like, I
0: feel like that too. Yeah.
1: Like, even with
0: everything I'm doing is wrong.
1: But then I try to quell or stop those anxieties by saying, well, it's a net positive. It's net good to be active than yeah, be inactive.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. But a also sp- yeah. Yeah. But I I'm saying that that for me after I feel like, "Oh, I'm doing everything wrong." Then I feel like I'm selfish and that cuz that feeling of like self-pity is kind of self-serving. It's like yes oh, I'm never, you know, like, look at me. I can't do anything. I'm like, shut the fuck up, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Like, you're not the fucking victim here. That's what I say to myself. Right. Like, we focus. Focus on the, like, on who is actually being hurt in this situation and who needs your help, which are black people that live in America. Yeah. And, like, I, you know, obviously, that I know that that's who is suffering and who really needs to be the focus of this movement, which is Mm -hmm. why I muted myself on social media and trying to you know like amplify their voices and their ideas and their struggles i don't think there's room for me to like have my foot throw my stupid two cents in right now but like but it's it's hard because it's like every everywhere everywhere i go in my mind there's a there's a a hate myself wall do you know what i mean Mm. and even the help like the hate myself wall is this like self-pity wall but you. But I th- agree with what you said. Who cares what I fucking think about myself? I'm gonna. Pu- I'm gonna donate money, and that that is a net positive, and that is helpful. You know what I mean? Outside yeah. of how I'm having a pity, throwing myself a pity party over here, for <laughs> like outside of that, at least I can. I know that the outcome of that will be positive.
1: No, I absolutely agree, and I have been feeling the same ways that you felt regard in regards to the self pity spirals, because yeah, yeah. To clarify this, we can use a few examples here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like last Tuesday, hashtag right. Blackout Tuesday, hashtag oh no, Black Lives <laughs> Matters. Okay, people. A lot of people on Instagram posted a black square as a sign of solidarity right. to you know let others know that you're you're with them, you're listening, and you're part of the cause. Now. Right. We saw a huge influx in these black squares and then what is it an hour or two hours later people black people were denouncing the squares saying that it yeah. clogs the feeds and it's not actually useful and mm-hmm. after that I took out my square because I realized oh shit that is right but even then I'm like ah that you know what I wish I hadn't done it at all because now I feel shitty and I'm like, yeah, who but was this, who was this really for, you know? And
0: mm. you were trying to like, cause you felt, you felt bad because you were doing it to make yourself feel better for being part of the, for doing v- like activism. And then you felt bad about that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, but I think exactly there's so many examples of this, examples of this constantly going on where, you know, we can even use, uh, Police reform is a very popular uh, hot-button topic right now where it's police reform versus abolish police. Now, originally, Mm -hmm. uh, activist DeRay McKesson, he, you know, in conjunction with Campaign Zero, like he, this hashtag, like, eight can't wait. Like, he Mm -hmm. proposed an eight-point plan that would reduce police uh, violence by 78%. Mm, and okay. it doesn't require a budget. It's just like some of them are like you can't you can't shoot at moving vehicles, uh no more chokeholds, mm-hmm. and when you if you're shooting like you need to announce that or, or like make it a declaration that you are going to shoot, uh-huh. and you know a lot of people were behind that cause that made a lot of sense to me, and mm. then then dissent started appearing where, well why like seventy eight percent isn't good enough a lot mm-hmm. of these things are already in practice anyways and police brutality still occurs. And okay. so, I think this is like the burnout that I'm feeling where I'm trying to take the steps to stay educated, stay informed, be a good ally, but then in this like I feel like I'm constantly making the wrong moves or the mistakes. Right. But then And
0: that's that's burning you out. Yeah, but then even with the yeah. burn
1: but even with the burnout, it's like I saw this Instagram post the other day where Someone said, like, oh, to feel burnt out is a privilege.
0: Right. And I'm yeah. just like,
1: oh, fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, because you know, that when you were saying that, I was like, I also feel burnt out. And like, there's part of me that's like, oh my God, can we just have like a break where it's just literally everyone for 20 minutes, we just don't say anything? But then, but then I'm like, I again, I get that thought, like, oh my God, this racism and oppression of black people in america has been happening for over 400 years now like right how dare how fucking dare i you know what i mean
1: right, right, right. and
0: and then i and then personally outside of what I, i'm being told personally i see anti-black racism in the world every day yeah and I, I i can see how like every interaction that a black person has with other people or you know whoever it is whatever race white black whoever there's 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 markers of anti black racism. there's markers of like discrimination and bias e- yeah. everything that they do and i I'm like, this is like the constant pressure that black people have to live under, and I'm like, I'm tired, you know do you know what I mean? Exactly. I feel fucking guilty about that exactly um but all but also, I've been seeing a lot of you know even because I follow a lot of like Black writers on Twitter and activists and comedians because I'm in comedy. And, you know, I I also hear it from them as well, but they are saying they're more tired because now people are reaching out to them to like ask them for free emotional labor and shit. (laughs) so it's like it's like whatever we're feeling plus what if like all of your white friends all of a sudden emailed you like tell "Tell me what to do it's just like (laughs) i would i would like want to kill them you know and so then i'm like then i'm like what the hell am i talking about i'm tired like i have you know i have to maybe we deserve to feel this because we were complicit all along like we weren't we weren't fighting it yeah so maybe it's time for us to feel tired but also, but also it goes against our, you know, our mantra of mental health, uh, wellness and caring about yourself and, you know, feeling self-love because both of us, we have a lot of self-hatred, obviously. Uh, if you this is the first time you heard your podcast, this podcast, I'm sure you've already heard a lot of it. <laughs> and like we need to resolve a lot of our self-hatred. So so uh, there is a part of me that's like i have to be soft on myself i'm doing you know i don't even know what i'm doing so it's like i i have to there has to be some softness there
1: um i don't know yeah i'm just that's how i'm feeling young me. i'm just really guilty about being burnt out so now i'm like reading i'm just like reading 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 reading, and i'm just burnt out and i'm like is this like this is it's a lot I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm just going by my emotions, which are... Well, also, I'm reading. But, you know, I've always been... I think... Well, I always thought... Well, here, here is where... Let's maybe just stop trying to feel battled. Because I... <laughs> you know you know why? One of my friends, my, my very good friend told me... I'm always filled with shame and guilt. Yeah. And he was like... I remember one night we met up for brunch and we were... One day... This is a year ago, probably and i was like man i went out i drank a lot and i did some crazy sex stuff you know like how i do and he was like yeah me too and he was just like la 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 and i was like feeling guilty and he was like you know i don't feel shame or guilt because like what the fuck does it do i already did that and i didn't <laughs> hurt i didn't hurt anyone maybe i was ta- like laughing too loud and right, that right. it like hit me when he said it, it hit me really hard like what does this shame and guilt do? Like, what, me yeah. feeling bad, like I'm not a good enough activist, what is that doing to help a black person? Nothing. I'm just having a pity party. Just, who you know, I'm just going to put my head down and like keep doing stuff. You know what I mean?
1: Right. And I, there were three separate occasions where I was in that pity party. Yeah. And th- in those moments, I decided to just choose a cause to donate to.
0: Aww, to like good get job myself. Brian. I don't know if okay, like l- yeah. again
1: that's like a soothing thing, but fuck it, action is better than inaction. You know.
0: Well, it maybe it is a soothing thing, and maybe it's selfish to like try to soothe your ego at that point. But you're also doing something that's literally actually helping. So, what can you say? Right. And also, I know we talked, oh, you know, I'll talk about this in a little bit. So, I just wanted to say about the police, my interaction with the police before I begin how I feel. When I was 16 years old, I was pulled over, mm-hmm. and I was, like, really scared because, like, my family was really poor, and I was like, if I get a ticket, I want to get in really big trouble. Um, I was 16 years old. I was coming out of a movie theater parking lot, yeah. and the cops pulled me over, and I remember there was a cop car in the parking lot. Okay. So, they were parked there waiting for someone to fuck up, basically, right? Yeah. And so I got in my car and then they followed me and they pulled me over at the very end of the driveway into the parking lot. And they were like really like beating around the bush. We're like, yeah, you know what? You know why we pulled you over? And I was like, I, I have no idea. I was terrified. I was six years old.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: And like they were really beating around the bush. But finally, I understood that they pulled me over because one of them wanted to ask me out on a date what i was 16 years old what the fuck and i remember i showed him my id because he was like where's your driver's license i gave it to him and he was like whoa you're 16 you don't look 16 you look older and i was like fucked up and i was like I thought he was saying that it was a fake ID, so I was like, "No, no, I'm 16." Like I was like really confused because I thought I was like in trouble. Yeah. I was shaking. I was terrified. You know, literally
1: shitted your pants.
0: <laughs> shitted and farted, and <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh!" And then he was like, "Yeah, oh, that's well, so like you're 16. You don't the cop. How the, it's scary as fuck." Yeah. And so then he was like, "Well, you know, blah blah blah," uh, you. Sh- you should give me your number. You what? Give me your number to like this help, is, help you. This and I was is like, insane. And I was like really confused. Like I thought that was a process in getting uh, tickets. <laughs> oh so my like, God. And, but then I think also at that point I kind of felt that he was flirting with me. So I, I was like I gave him my number and he was like, all right, good night. This That's is so insane. creepy. As soon as he got into his car, he called my number. What? To make sure it was a real number.
1: That's, this is bad one of the fucking craziest stories and i've heard was, young me
0: and then he called me and then i was really confused i was like am i arrested like what it, i th- i thought it was like a weird sting thing and i was like you you actually were experiencing
1: certain. that shitty pickup line it's like a joke pickup line would be like hey babe like you're under arrest and you like for what for being Brian, too sexy this was right? straight
0: up fucking abusive and, the, <laughs> oh my God. and then i remember he would call me every night for like weeks what and i would always and i didn't know what to do and i would be like oh i can't meet with you and and i was like confused like i was scared that my parents would find out and i was just like oh i, I can't meet with you i'm home like and he's like oh yeah why, I'm why not
1: 16 I, I have to like, do my bro, homework.
0: Like, and he would like get, he'd be like, oh, wait, well, you're too busy to hang out. I'm like, uh, I can't leave my house. I live with my parents. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, so God. then he, yeah. after like t- every time he would call me, I would break out in a sweat and I would sh- start shaking. I was terrified. Fuck, And after terrible. like two or three weeks, he stopped calling me. And I remember that and just being like, when people are like, cops are great. I'm like, literally none of them are great. They're, abu- they're abusers. They're psychotic abusers. This man was trying to rape a child using his power that the state gave him because he knew that it would fuck with me mentally. Yeah. He, he acted like I had broken the law in order to force me to give me his phone number. Like that is fucked up And that's every fucking cop I'm not I'm sorry There's no good cops All of them are like that And I fucking believe Every single person That there are zero good cops And you know what I bet people think That that guy's a good cop That, that guy's probably Still out there He probably fucking Actually raped And molested people Why was he Why was he in the parking lot Of a movie theater Where all the teenagers Hung out Do you know what I mean Yeah To, to fucking find his victims Duh Jesus. And this is like this is what I'm going to tell people, you know, this is what I'm telling people when people say that cops are good. What The the thing that makes you want to be a cop, you know, which is to bully people that can't fight you back, mm. that's inherently a bad human trait. Nobody wants to fucking do that unless you're a fucking psycho. So there are no good cops. Who the fu- like, you really going to join the police force to help the world? No, you're not. I don't believe it. Maybe there's like three of them <laughs> that are actually good you know that care about if you wanted to help the world why don't you join like unicef or something you know why right. don't you become a social worker no you want to fucking carry a big gun because it makes you feel like a big boy do you know what i mean yeah and no you wanna, and i you used wanna to four 16 year olds have sex with you that's okay, all they, they want to do
1: fucking fucked up i'm sorry i was like laughing and making stupid jokes while you were telling no that it's kind of funny well the is, thing is i thought it was funny for really years and now up. i'm
0: like oh well, my god yeah. No, no, no. I, it is. It's it's fu- it's not funny. It's funny in a weird way because it's just like so pff, please I'm hot. He was so gross. Come on.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it, it, it's like you said is perhaps these feelings that I've been experiencing is just like the hard truth that I have to confront that I've like super privileged and I'm not as good as I used to think I was do you know what I mean yeah. like even no, with like even with, but even, with just, but yeah. even with the cops uh, thing where for the most part the system's fucked up but I'm sure there are police officers out there who join because they want to be good protectors of their community and sincerely believe that like by being a cop it's yeah. like you're working at the ground level and you're fighting these bad guys But then it raises this other question. It's like, well, what is a bad guy? That's subjective. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, it's easy. And then it's, I can have these opinions because unlike you or fucking millions of black people in America, I haven't been victim to this like fucking horrible power imbalance that exists with cops. Yeah. And
0: once you feel that, you're just like, oh, I can't. This is all bullshit. But here's the thing. I think also a part of the psychology of wanting to be a cop that never gets discussed is that it's very, like, it's very shitty, menial labor. Mm. It's very low. um, I mean, people respect police officers, obviously, but it's, like, really shitty work. And I think there's a lot of, like, masochism in the people who think that they deserve to work in that line of work like mm. i think there's a lot of masochism and people that join the police force and the military because they for some reason think that think something about themselves there's like a lot of self-hatred there that they believe that they're deserving to be the person that's gonna be in the field of danger do you know what mm. i mean like it's like kind of like shitty like to be a soldier i think there's so much respect put on soldiers but like to think that you are the person that society can discard in order to like uphold a bunch of rich people's mansions in beverly hills like that's like some weird masochistic shit too do you know what i mean Mm. i don't does that make sense no i i I don't know i see
1: i get what you mean um
0: yeah like to want to be in the trenches it's just like a weird
1: but on the flip side like if we're using the army for example yeah i also think that it's it just provides structure for people who who might feel aimless in life where yeah that makes sense it's like you're part of a bigger cause and i think Mm -hmm. that's like the human condition where you want to feel like you have purpose (laughs) and you're working towards like something that's bigger than you and no, I think yeah I, get th- that. I think i think that's the reason like why a lot of people you're join part the of military. a family
0: because uh, a lot yeah you're part of a family but but even then it reminds me a lot but then of what happens when
1: like the family itself is built on shitty these fucked up ideals you know
0: yeah but i mean like okay say like when you join the army you feel like you're part of a family the whole army is about somebody yelling at you you like a a rigid dad right like a a tough dad yeah maybe it's a lot of people that want any sort of love you know like tough love or whatever but right but that but that's masochism it's like oh i deserve i want love but the kind of love and acceptance that i'm looking for is this hard rigid love where they're gonna punch me, and that's you know what I mean. It's like yeah, it, there's like some sort of weird abuse thing going on there. This Damn. like want wanting abuse or something, right? Don't you think? Whew. I Damn always thought me. that about cops.
1: I'm getting I'm I'm getting radicalized on this podcast episode. Yeah. I was for police reform, but yeah. now. Talking to you and hearing your text. Abolish the cops. Abolish the cops. Well, I did think like... Who knows? There's like a lot of psychological components for why even people... People even enjoy this line of work. If you look at elementary school kids or like middle school kids, did you have hall monitors then? Because I had hall monitors. And I'm just like...
0: They loved it.
1: Some people just... And I just thought that was like an inherent personality trait. I'm like, you know what? If you're the type of person who likes to be a fucking hall monitor, you like to be an RA... You could go be a cop, go pro. Like I think that's
0: that is a personality trait. But, uh, it is. I think people are inherently deeper, like that. Yeah. But
1: to go deeper, it's like it's probably like you said, it's probably rooted in some like imbalance in their lives where yeah. they're like trying to reclaim it. Honestly, it might be. I think it's both power. things. I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it's both. It could be both things. It could just be an inherent personality trait where you like to you like to be a bully. <laughs> or it could have been like the... Reinforcing the tradition or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reinforcing white really supremacy. Like yeah, they love structure and rules. Yeah. That's, that's, like a, that's like a natural trait that people have. Or it could be a product of abuse where they, you know, there was a lot of abuse or something that happened in their past and they're right. looking for structure and control. Who knows? But it's Whew. weird. Yeah, Fucking weird, man.
1: How are you feeling? Couldn't it be a? me.
0: Okay, so here we go. Brian, <laughs> I really wanted to talk about this. Oh, shit. Okay. I really wanted to talk about this today because, you know, I'm all for accountability. <clears throat> but this is an extremely difficult thing that, to talk about. And right before I talk about it, I want to make sure. So this is all about accountability. But I just want to make sure to say certain things because there is a, there's a legal aspect to it. And I don't want other people, you know, I don't want to do anything to, like, harm anyone else. Or myself. So my restaurant, I I am a part owner of a restaurant. Years, a few years ago in 2017, we were sued for racial discrimination. And I wanted to address it because, first of all, what I said about accountability, I don't want anyone to ever think that I'm hiding that information. Another part of why I wanted to address it was because what I said earlier in the episode about you know, when I saw people that I know are racist supporting Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. that really destabilized me and really hurt me because I was like, this person is a racist and they are, you know, doing this performative virtue signaling thing and it's harmful to me. And I'm like, a lot of my friends, and I have discussed how much that's hurt us this week. Very randomly, I got like three separate phone calls about this subject matter from my friends. Yeah. Um, and I know that if somebody was involved in the lawsuit, which, um, what the people involved were employees and management, mm-hmm. I know that there could possibly be somebody that was involved in the lawsuit, mm-hmm. uh, um, against the restaurant that I partially own. And if they saw the restaurant, cause the restaurant obviously were doing a lot of work to, um, donate to charities we did open in the middle of all this and yeah. we spent uh, you know we spent the first day we were open we donated all of our money to black lives matter and then moving forward we're implementing a lot of charity um work structured into the business permanently not just for this week but for right. the rest of time um and i i was just i was worried that if somebody saw that that had that was either there for the lawsuit or knew about it they would feel harmed by that Mm. how i felt harmed by seeing other people like just what i explained i just i was worried that somebody would see that and feel destabilized and hurt by that yeah and i wanted to make sure that we as a restaurant were open that that has happened to us in the restaurant and but um so that was the first reason that I wanted to talk about it. The second reason that I want to talk about it is because, okay, so this is the thing. I wanted to talk about kind of like, you know, our podcast about mental health, psychology, how I, f- how I feel personally about it because I've never talked about it openly. Right. Um. Mo- be- the reason I never talked about it is because it's a legal issue and I was advised by a PR company and my attorneys to never talk about it. Mm-hmm. But you obviously you knowing me, and if you've heard this podcast, you know me. I love talking about stuff like this. Right. Like I'm not I'm not afraid of criticism. I'm not afraid when I'm when I fuck up. Mm-hmm. And part of me enjoys breaking apart when I fuck up and sort of you know what I mean? And like really looking at that and like Yeah. Discussing it. And I discussed this a lot on the podcast. So it was really hard for me when all of this was happening, being told by legal professionals never bring it up Mm -hmm. and i understand because the system i think if you own a small business or just has have ever like dealt with the legal system in america yeah a lot of it it, it's kind of like the police system where it maybe the intention was there to like help people but a lot of it is there to exploit weaknesses or people that are ignorant of the law do you know what i mean so that makes sense w- yeah so uh, if i say something right now you know seleno and barnes like rip off litigator can like sue me and make a bunch of money for themselves you know what i mean It was it's for them making money there's like a lot of scammers in the industry mm-hmm. and i was very afraid of that so that's why i never really discussed it but obviously what i decided was i'm not gonna discuss any part of the actual lawsuit because i want to protect not only myself but my partners and everyone involved. Yeah. Because there are individuals individuals involved in the lawsuit. Of course. But I wanted to discuss my emotions. Yeah. Which I feel is perfect for this podcast, right? This is a traumatic event that happened. Again, I don't want to pretend that I'm the victim here. I'm I'm definitely not the victim. I'm the person that I'm the person that fucked up, right? Mm -hmm. Um and then before I also start talking about my feelings, I just wanted to say if you are someone that was involved in a lawsuit or if you're a black person, you're listening to this and you think that there's going to be any sort of gaslighting or me not being accountable. I hope that hearing me, you won't feel that way because the whole world is based on a racist system. Okay. Yeah. It's based on America, but you know, the world too, but like mostly America and the restaurant industry works off the fact that black and brown people are exploited you know what i yes, mean yes yes and i may, i am in that industry and yeah. i've benefited a lot from that industry so when you know when this lawsuit happened my whole thing was like well it's not my fault i had nothing to do with it but right. that that thought and that feeling which I feel a lot of people have right now period yeah is so harmful because like even if you don't work in the restaurant industry you have every you have everything to do with it like all of us go to restaurants yeah and every time we go to a restaurant we see with our eyes the people in the front of the house are white the mass the vast majority every once in a while there's like one black person maybe one asian person but for the most part they're all white. Mm-hmm. And every and those are the people that make like $300 a night in tips. And right. everyone that works in the, the back line. of the house yeah. or the line or the porters or the dishwashers are black and brown. We see mm. that when we go eat at a restaurant and we yeah. have decided that as a society we're okay with that, right? Right. We like that is like how I have been a cog in this system that that makes racism always possible and perpetuates it right
1: yeah but not only that yeah that remind what you just mentioned reminds me of this excerpt from anthony bourdain's book kitchen confidential Uh where he talked about how restaurant owners and chefs prefer using black and brown people as line cooks because mm-hmm. they just follow the instructions and mm. if you have like a white line cook they have a tendency to give feedback where it's not wanted or they want to mm. include improvements to a recipe or they'll like mix it up or but oh, wow. if you if you go deeper than that because that's
0: white entitlement
1: right it's like well right. they they've forever always had that platform to voice their opinions or like have opinions at all And Mm -hmm. like you said, that's just the entitlement that comes with being a white person in society, because if you're like a black and brown person, one wrong move, you're going to get fired.
0: Exactly. There's no room. There's no room for you to have you have an opinion. The nice thing would be if everyone had the freedom and the right to have an opinion. You know what I mean? Like The whole restaurant system, you know, where no one can talk up to the chef is fucked up. But okay, so this, that, that whole sh- spiel that I just said has nothing to do with the lawsuit. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, obviously, this is, I think, what people say when we are all, like, part of the problem. You know, like, I, when, when the lawsuit happened, I was like, well, I didn't say, I didn't say anything racist. Like, somebody else did it. Or, yeah. so uh, why would I have to, feel bad but then now i'm thinking back of how like psychotic that is like i it's like what kind of fucking psycho owns a restaurant where something like that happens because of my neglect oh, fuck i i swear to god i i hope i don't get fucking sued for shit like this i'm so scared but like i'm not going to get sued for saying you know what i wasn't uh, this is okay, this is what i'm going to say what i did what i did do to quote unquote protect the staff was we hired an hr company and we did everything legally that we were supposed to do like write in our handbook that there's no racial discrimination we wrote you know you always see this sentence zero tolerance mm-hmm. policy we wrote that in because the law said that that's going to protect us but the truth is i wasn't there like telling people not to You know, I wasn't keeping an eye on it. I wasn't making sure that the staff felt safe all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just like, well, look, I wrote it in the handbook and like that sort of like, oh, this is what everyone does and that's good enough for us sort of attitude is like fucking bullshit. Right. You know, that's fucked up. I think that's like what I've learned from all of this. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so my whole thing was that the whole world is doing this. This is the system. This is how other restaurants do it. So I'm going to do it like this. Yeah. And now I'm like, why the fuck? Why, why the fuck didn't I try? speak up
1: or try why, or why? Why was I OK with yeah. that?
0: That's fucking bullshit. And because I was such a fucking wussy person, because honestly, like it's weird when you become like an owner or like it's kind of like when you become a mom, people think you're a different person. But I'm still the same person that was you know like a 22 year old whatever right in my mental mentally like if 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 someone gave you a restaurant right now brian and somebody was like you have to deal with this racial thing you'd be like oh my god what do i do you know what i mean like you get scared and i got scared yeah and that sucks because my failure to be active led to somebody being harmed do you know what i mean and that's the definition of like being complicit in racism you know what i mean yeah. Like I'm just a pawn in this whole system, not beating myself up unnecessarily. I'm just realizing that it, the system works because of all of us and me. I hate yeah. it when everyone's like, I hate it when people are like, we are the problem. No, I hate, I am the problem. You know, like I'm going to s- stand here and be like, I am the problem. I fucking fucked up. Yeah. And to, not only that I own a business that's like, that functions in the fucked up model. But like I eat at restaurants, and I buy clothes. You know, I still. You know, how many documentaries have you watched about like H and M exploiting like brown children? I still fucking buy clothes there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like it's like I know that's getting so like abstract, but this is and then at the end, this is where it brings me. It brings me to a place where I'm really scared. Basically, every system that's in place that I participate in, as well as my peers and my peer group, all of those systems are fucked up. So it's like, I can't with this knowledge. How am I going to go back to participating in this these systems? Right. And the question is like, are we all going to go back to just participating in them because it's so easy and it's set up for us to just come go back into them? We're all going to just go back into, I mean... You know, even though this shit is closed down from COVID, a lot of people are still ordering delivery and the delivery drivers are black and brown people that are being exploited.
1: Where this is something that we're all confronting and yeah. It's like, scary because yes. I'm like
0: what am I going to do now? You know? I'm, of course. I'm here to be like, and then it's just like every part of our system let's say i don't want to do that anymore i'm gonna go grocery shop and make my own food the people that pick my fruit are exploited people you know what i mean and i know right now we're focusing on black people but like if there's so many it's like how much of this onion is gonna get peeled back and like how much is it my responsibility that's i mean that's how i feel about it i would say one more thing is what really sucks is i when i entered the restaurant industry as a server. From day one, I was being sexually assaulted, verbally assaulted, racially, you know, like racist jokes were made against me. It was a rough, it was a rough industry to enter. And I just remember Mm -hmm. being like, man, this, if I, if this was my restaurant, I would never let this shit happen. Right. And then fast forward to when I had a restaurant and that shit happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I... What do I... What? What do I do now? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I guess that's I where mean, I am, I'm at.
1: I think you, the fact that you don't even know what to do or you're feeling shitty about what you've done is an indication of progress. Like, yeah, you should feel bad. And what What are you going to do going forward? That's well, like the, That's what we're yeah. all confronted with. It's easy to feel good for two weeks because it's trendy, but... If you go deeper than that, like, we should all feel bad. We should all understand how we've been complicit. There's no time period on it. It's ongoing. There really should be no limit. Because our our mere existence is privileged.
0: It's it's shitty. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it is shitty. Look, I know you're not a bad person. And...
0: I'm a scared person. Which is almost worse because i feel like when you're a scared person you do things that hurt other people but you don't think you did anything bad
1: you but you recognize that though
0: yeah but and that's worthless unless i'm gonna fucking do something to change that that's you know what right mean? like i'm at the I, first it step sounds I'm like, the first it step. sounds like it sounds like
1: you are going to do things to change that
0: exactly no this is like kind of like coming tying back to what we were talking about in the beginning it's just like the pity party i gotta fucking cut it out and just like get to work. Is that the positive note that we should end <laughs> our episode on? You know what? Enough fucking pity party for me. I'm not telling anyone what to do. Okay, Brian, you know what? I'm just I'm just putting my story out there because I want people cuz I know there are people out there listening that are probably on the wrong side. Do you of know course. what I mean? Like me yeah. and now we're all seeing that that's wrong and that's great that's progress
1: yeah i mean last week's episode we touched on it from an angle of our asian american identity but i think we're relating it to it more this week from our own personal experiences and our own personal politics and our personal conflicts and our personal privileges um but yeah going forward you know like you said just be more active stop
0: i'm not pity you partying can, myself but right, i'm proud like you can, that i'm you, we can I always feel bad we'll, we, we
1: can always find a reason to feel bad about something and it's yeah. good that we do that now the next step is just to what are you doing going forward you know how and what business what business practices are you going to enact that rectify this uh how are well, you we, not, yeah. how are you not going to be complicit anymore that's well, up to you that's not my business we,
0: yeah well the first time was we talked to everybody and everybody was like oh my god this is so great like and i was like you know initially back in the old days we just did everything by the book we were like don't talk to us talk to hr talk to our lawyer do not even make eye contact just because we were i was scared i was like i don't know how to run a fucking business i don't know what i'm doing and now i'm i'm like dude that's fucking sucked and we had a talk with the staff and i was like I just want everyone to know that this happened in our business and it was cause like we had no con- communication with anybody. We were just like hiding in our office all the time yeah. and it fucking sucked. Cause that was on advice. You know, we were advised to do that and I was like, that's not right. It doesn't feel natural. If you want to talk to me, you can talk to me. If you want to talk to HR, a third party, obviously you don't, you know, you can do that. Like, I just want you to feel safe. And we had that talk and it was great. And everyone was like, thank you so much. And I was like, don't thank me, I feel like a loser.
1: No, why are you spiraling right now? <laughs>
0: Sorry, I'll pull it together.
1: Uh, we, we, we did post something about this on our Instagram. And, you know, this is a, this is a podcast about feelings and uh, mental health. And so we have made a post about this. And I don't see this being promoted as much in coverage on places to donate. And um, there's some really, really great nonprofits and charity organizations that concentrate on, uh, mental health awareness in black communities. And I think that, uh, specifically, I think beam is a really great cause to donate to. And, uh, it's on our Instagram, but if you're looking for it, uh, it's at underscore beam org and, uh, you can donate there. And young Me, are there any specific charity donations that you would like to plug?
0: Oh, the Emergency Release Fund, mm-hmm. which is also going to be on our Instagram. Um, it's a great organization to donate to. Also, it's very, very easy because they have a Venmo handle. Um, I know that sounds weird, but I know that <laughs> that's like an extra step that stops people from donating sometimes. So you can right. just Venmo them and you can find the Venmo information on our Instagram. Awesome. Bye.
1: Bye.